For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Zuby, of course, host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. And I wanted to drop a quick message here with a very quick and simple but important request. And this is that if you are someone who has been listening to this podcast for a long time, I would strongly encourage you to please support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Zuby music. I'm looking to expand the podcast this year. I'm also going to be working on a lot of new music this year, releasing new singles and a brand new album. And if you're someone who enjoys and appreciates my work as an independent artist, I would massively appreciate if you could support me financially on Patreon. Now, by doing so, you're going to also get access to the Team Zuby community as well as other perks. We have a private chat group on Discord, so if you want to stay away from Twitter and all the wildness and craziness of social media and just be talking to like-minded people, including myself, then you can join that. You can become a supporter from as little as $2 a month, and you can join the Discord for just $5 plus a month. Please check it out. That's patreon.com forward slash Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. Would love to have you on board, and it'll really help me to grow. Thank you. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Today, we are going live with the number one body transformation coach for entrepreneurs. This is my friend, Dan Go. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I am doing amazing. Uh, as you, you know where I am right now, I'm, I'm just like living it up. And uh, thank you very <laughs> much for the opportunity to uh, be on this uh, podcast interview with you, man. You're one of the reasons I am on Twitter, one of the main reasons I'm on Twitter, and uh, definitely look up to you as a mentor and a friend. So very appreciative. No doubt, man. I appreciate that, man. So for people who are not familiar with you, I've done a quick intro there, but tell the people a little bit about you. Who, who is Dan Go? Uh, what a deep question. Uh, I would say for me, I'm... I mean, I started off as a guy who pretty much was a screw up his entire life. And uh, when I found fitness, it just changed my life. When I started to actually learn the process of body transformation, it really opened up all these other avenues into, let's just say, finding a career to finding the love of my life to really finding out who I am as a person. And uh, I'm going to say that when I transform my body, I, I transform my entire life and I would not be here if it wasn't for hitting the gym, lifting weights and taking care of uh, my health from the nutrition aspect from sleep and, uh, and pretty much just trying to optimize my entire life around being a healthy person. Well, yeah. let's, run it, let's run it back a little bit because um, obviously you've got, a, you've got a whole life story prior to you even getting involved in that. And you said, you know, you kind of grew up a screw up as Biggie would say. Um, yeah. Can you uh, talk us a little bit, talk us through a little bit more of your your childhood and growing up yeah. and your life experiences with that? 
Yeah, so my idea of a good time on a weekday would be to sit down, eat a bag of chips, and play about five hours of video games. Uh, I dropped out of high school, and I thought uh, I pretty much thought that I was headed towards a career of being like some some guy that just like works in the warehouse or is a manager at McDonald's or something like that. Mm. And it wasn't until I really got the the biggest wake up call of my life. And that was my mom passing away. Uh, when my mom passed away, uh, she was like the one that was always there telling me, Dan, you got so much potential. What are you doing with your life? Please mm. like just do something. And then when she passed, what that was like a signal for me to say that there is no safety net in this world. She was like my one and only person that would actually support me. And she was gone. Mm. And at that point I had a choice. I can let this, uh, this grief and the sadness take me over and I can let it destroy me or I can actually, it's one of the reasons actually I looked at it as like energy. Like when you have this like sadness and this grief, all it is is just energy. And if you actually redirect that energy towards something positive or towards something that's worthwhile, then pretty much amazing things can happen. So from that choice, I, I basically said to myself, I don't know what happened, but I said to myself, this can either burn you or it could propel you. So I'm going to make that choice to let it propel me. And at that time, I was working at a corporation, a big American corporation. It was a bank and I was doing something that I hated. And I was doing it, I was doing this nine to five that I completely hated every single time I went back home and I would, and people would ask me what I did. I was not able to tell them what I did because I was so embarrassed. And I'll be, and I'll be honest, I was actually, I was uh, selling high interest loans to people who didn't need it. Oh, right. I see. Okay. So, so I was selling these like 25, 30% loans. You're on there like a freaking, uh, uh, like a, like, you know, those wall street guys just like trying to sell as much, uh, as much loans as possible. Mm. And I got sick of it. I got sick of myself and I ended up, uh, I ended up quitting that after my mom passed away, quitting the golden handcuffs, so to speak. Yeah. And I decided to pursue something that I was, entirely passionate about which was uh, fitness and i ended up becoming a personal trainer at that time which 15 actually 17 years ago everyone looked at it as a side job even my parents and my family they're all like what are you doing you know my dad was just like dude like just work for me at my printing shop you know don't worry about this i'm like i'm gonna pursue this and if i'm not successful in like two years then i'll go and work in your printing shop but yeah yeah, at that time, everyone was telling me not to do it. That actually gave me a little bit more fire. So, you know, long story short, here we are. No doubt, man. And where did you grow up, actually? I grew up in a small town called Markham, Ontario, and that's okay. in Canada. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I grew up, I guess you could say I grew up a screw up. Uh, and I had a community of just, I guess you could say, quote, unquote, enablers. Mm -hmm. So people who would do drugs with me, people who would do, who drink alcohol with me and they were only my friends because I would actually do those substances with them. Gotcha. And yeah, man. No doubt, man. And so tell yeah. us a little bit more about how you, how you got into fitness. How did you take your first steps into that? Uh, the very first steps that I took was actually, was actually weird because it was my dad and my dad did nothing to talk to me about fitness whatsoever. He did nothing to say, hey, you should go hit the gym. He actually, actually, he went from not going to the gym whatsoever. And then every single morning I'd see him put on, I see him put his 
clothes into a bag and then he would like go off and go to the gym and then this was happening every single day for about a year and a half and lo and behold the gym was like hey we like you as a member we're going to give you a month pass and then he ended up giving it to my older brother my older brother's like nope i don't really want to hit the gym so dan just like my clothes i'm going to pass this down to you yeah. and <laughs> and he passed me the the month pass and at that time, I, was, I wasn't really into fitness. I wasn't really trying to do anything, but I was like, hey, at the worst, I see some, I see some women there and I'm, you know, I see some women and that's the worst thing that can happen. The best thing that can happen is I get fit, right? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up going to the gym and I did everything horribly. I remember I read a bodybuilding magazine. Oh dear. Got, got, got a program from it. <laughs> oh, no. I was doing these juiced up programs oh, this program done by juicers and, and you know what happened was a week after i hit the gym i didn't even touch my diet didn't do cardio didn't do nothing mm -hmm. and then i ended up losing a, a buckle or the a, a notch off my belt and i was like what like what the heck is going on here i didn't even like i barely even worked out you know yeah. so that was the time where i was like whoa like this is kind of cool Mm -hmm. And then, and then I, I don't know what happened, but at some point I saw going to the gym as a form of self-development. And that was kind of like my first foray into developing myself. I actually do feel like, you know, how can one even know himself if he doesn't know what his body is capable of? Mm. So that was like my first step into the gym. And even, and I'll say this, like way before that, I went to the gym one time and this, and if it wasn't for this guy, I don't know what would happen, but I went to the gym with this army dude who just obliterated me. This was like maybe two to three years before I actually started going consistently uh, after my dad's story. And he just obliterated me. And, and I was like, I hate the gym. I'm never going back there again. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was like, and, and thankfully my dad is the one that sets the tone and, uh, and I followed after him essentially. Okay, that's cool, man. I definitely yeah. related to what I mean. I start. I first started going to the gym when I was fifteen, and I just, I also started out with you know muscle and fitness flex <laughs> magazine, just right like stuff with all these guys who were on. Yeah. I mean, I think even at the time, even at the age I was, I think I knew that. Of course, you know the Mister Olympia sized dudes were <laughs> taking some steroids, but I didn't realize to to the degree of how yeah. prevalent the PEDs were. And the different ways you should train, you know, whether you're enhanced or natural, et cetera. So I was there at 15. I mean, it's wild. At 15 years old, I ended up weighing more than I weigh now. So, wow. <laughs> wow. My, my, dude, my friends and I, like, we, like, I mean, we got strong. Like, we did get jacked, but I put on a lot of unnecessary body fat. We, we, <laughs> we, were, just, we were just going through the bulking, you know, just like eating when yeah. you're not hungry. Eating every two hours, you know, worrying, worrying about, you know, going catabolic and like thinking you're going to lose your muscles if you don't eat for three hours. Dude, so. I, I ate for two. I ate every two hours because I was so convinced about my metabolism slowing down. Yeah, yeah. And then I started to get fat, and I was like, "What's going on here?" You know? Yeah, I can relate. Yeah, yeah, man. Funny man. So, so you became a personal trainer, and then what was the what was the next step after that? What was the step towards um, being in a situation where you're doubting yourself and your parents are even doubting you thinking it's not a real job to the stage of it being like, Oh, okay. I'm seeing some success with this. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, so everything that everyone ever told me when I was just starting out as a personal trainer, they were like, Dan, don't do this, man. 
You're giving up the salary to be a trainer. No one does this. And everyone was saying that to me. Even my best friend asked me, he was like, dude, would you want to move boxes for a hundred grand? And at that time I was young. I was like, hell yeah, why not? Right. And he's like, well, why don't you do that? And I'm just like, hmm, but it's just not the same. And the thing is, is that at the time I was a pretty angry dude. And maybe I still have a little tinge of anger inside of me still, but I'm, you know, but what happened was I took all that stuff in as, as energy mm-hmm. and everyone's telling me, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to show you guys. And I'm, and actually there was at the time where I was looking at other people who are trainers and making a living out of it. And I was just like, if they can do it, what separates them from me? Maybe like their bulging chest and their biceps, but that's about <laughs> it. Right. That's about it. So if that person can do it and I can do it, And then I basically told myself that I am going to do everything that is humanly necessary to make myself successful at this, whether, and I'm going to do it or I'm going to die trying, or I'm going to go bankrupt trying. But at the same time, there was no, there was no do it or die because I was living at my parents' house anyways. I was Mm -hmm. living at my dad's. So, you know, what is the worst that could happen? So I ended up saying, Hey, I'm going to figure out what are all the things that I can do. And I'm just going to keep on doing those things. And then, lo and behold, I started to get very uh, successful there. I started to become the top trainer at uh, the gym. Mm-hmm. And after that, you know, I think when you start to get very uh, used to success, things become very easy for you. You're always looking for the next challenge. So the next challenge to me was going off on my own and starting my own one-on-one training business. Mm. And then, uh, and then that comes with its own learning curve. And again, I saw other people being successful at it. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be successful at it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, and then I ended up becoming a one-on-one trainer. And then after one-on-one training, I, I pretty much just got as many clients as I could. I really just like packed my schedule. And then I started to realize this is not sustainable whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So then I, then I decided to own my own gym and I decided to actually start my own gym. And, uh, and then at that time, it was a, it was like a, you know, I, I do talk a lot of smack about CrossFit and boot camps and circuit training. So I'm not embarrassed to say this, but it was like a CrossFit gym, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and we did that for about 10 years and we kept on moving up. We kept on getting bigger spaces and then I had the choice whether or not I was going to uh, franchise the business or have one location and just max it out. And we decided to have one location because when I thought about franchising and doing all that kind of stuff, it looked horrible. I don't understand. Like it just didn't seem right to me. So we owned that gym for about, or we had that gym for about 10 years. We built it up. We built it up big Mm. and then we sold it in December, 2018. And that's when I decided to make the jump to specifically help entrepreneurs uh, with online fitness coaching. Gotcha. Man, well, that that's uh, well. Firstly, congrats on that success. I like to. Thank you. I always like to hear stories of success. Yeah. Um, but let let's talk about that a little bit more because I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this who are entrepreneurs themselves, right. or they're working in a job, or they're thinking of getting into business. They're thinking of doing this. They're thinking of doing that. And people are always going to be at different stages. And I think when people see entrepreneurs who have reached a level of success. It's often, you know, I think on one hand, it's inspiring, but on the other hand, a lot of times people don't really talk much about the process and the, the ups and the downs, you know? Uh, So someone listening is just like, okay, so 
you just started a gym and then 10 years later you sold it. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, mm -hmm. 10 years is a long time. And, you know, even from the process of starting a gym to expanding it and growing it, all that, I mean, what would you say are some of the, what were some of the biggest hurdles and what are some of the biggest lessons or key takeaways that you've sort of taken from that entire process? Absolutely. So there was actually a time uh, where, I mean, just starting up a gym in general is just hard to mm -hmm. do. Uh, you have the upfront costs of having to rent your space if you don't have a space. And then you have to find people to fill up the gym and to mm -hmm. like, you know, actually train. So, you know, the, the whole process of building that up, uh, I'll tell you right now, I got coaching uh, for that. And okay. that's actually the first hurry I got into. So I bought this 500 page book of like how to market, how to market fitness to general population people. And that, that was like my Bible at the time. Okay. Um, and then I would say, I'll tell you like what my biggest failure, which ended up turning into my biggest success was. So I ended okay. up, I ended up, uh, I ended up having this trainer and she, you know, my whole thing was you can't really have a business unless you can't really, you don't really own a business if you're the one that's actually trading in the hours for that business. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing was, Hey, you know, I found this, I found a superstar trainer and she's going to train up my people. And it was great. We, we actually had a really good relationship and lo and behold, what happens is, is that, you know, she, she ends up opening up a gym right beside me. Right. Oh. She's like, Dan, I'm going to leave. You haven't trained any of your clients at all. Oh, wow. And I'm going to open up literally like five minutes driving distance away from you. Okay. And we actually had this, yeah, we had a non-compete, which anyone that knows anything about non-competes is that nothing holds up, you know, in, in court when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, mm. and then I lost about 50% of my client base as a result of her. Yeah. As a result of her leaving now in the beginning, I was blaming her hard because I was like, how could she do this to me? We were friends. I started off for career and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then at that point in time, I was just like wallowing in my own self pity, essentially just blaming others for, for my own mistakes. So I took that. I remember after getting over all that stuff and, not, and this is actually the very first time I'm talking about this on in public, at least. Okay. That was actually the time or there were actually thoughts because when you see your whole career and everything that you built pretty much just like, you know, just taken away because, you know, you weren't that smart and uh, people took advantage. It's very debilitating, man. It's, it's depressing. It, mm -hmm. it will, it's, it was almost like as bad as like going through the death of my, my mom, even worse to a certain degree sometimes. Yeah. So, at that time, I actually did have a very, it was the first time I was like, what would happen if I, if I wasn't here? Oh, damn. You know, like, yeah, I was just like, I never had these thoughts before. Yeah. Never yeah. had these thoughts before. But then that thought came and I got scared. I was just like, mm. whoa, like, am I, am I really thinking about this? Are we really going down this path? Yeah. Are we really thinking about possibly like, you know, taking your own life in regards mm. to this? Like, I, I didn't go to the point of where I was like starting to plan it, but then I was just like, what would happen if, and it was at a point where I remember I was sitting at my desk inside of that gym and it was almost like a come to God moment 
And I was writing, I was just writing down in my journal and I was just like, what if you just focused on trying to be as excellent as humanly possible? And what if you just focused on the clients? What if you just focused on the work? What if you actually just like made this gym into the best possible gym possible and just focused on that, forgot about all the competition and just focused on the work, focused on actually making this yours, you know, focus on making this like, you know, pretty much like as much Dan as you can possibly be make it. So, so I'd say like, you know, we adapted, uh, we, there was this thing called like challenges and like all this kind of stuff that were going on. People were really doing it. And we ended up taking advantage of that. Uh, we ended up saying, Hey, we're going to be doing these challenges. Uh, we're going to be actually focusing on our clients' results. And we're going to be making sure that we're just focused on our clients' results and that's it. And then from that decision that we made, we ended up just turning the ship around. We started getting clients back, uh, even clients that went to her gym started coming back to ours. Mm -hmm. We started to create the whole challenge, I guess you could say, atmosphere. And then, and then from there, that was my biggest lesson was, you know, when in doubt, focus on the work, focus on being excellent, focus on trying to actually make a business that's as excellent as humanly possible. Yeah. And that lesson has stuck with me to this day. Man, no, that's, that's, that's powerful, man. That's powerful because I think every entrepreneur and every, you know, I'm both a creative person and an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of times people, people just see the, the tip of the iceberg and people sort of see the highlight reel. People yeah. see the successes, but People don't see just how low, you know, I think in entrepreneurship, the lows are extremely, extremely low. The highs mm -hmm. have the, the highs have the potential to be much higher than they do sort of being employed in any sort of so-called normal yeah. job. But the yeah. lows can just be like, man, they, they, they can, there's times where you're, you're just questioning your entire existence and <laughs> life choices and like, what on earth am I doing? And why am I doing yeah. this? And why am I putting myself through this pain? Especially yeah. when you know that you have the option that you could just go and do something a little bit more normal and on the beaten track. But, yeah. you know, like I, I left my corporate job in 2011 to go become a full-time independent musician, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like, uh, it, it's always funny when people say that I did that for like money or something, not knowing that until last year, Last year was the first year that I made more money like doing what I do now than I would have made had I stayed in that career. So it, it took me eight yeah. years to even kind yeah. of get to that level financially, let alone in terms of feeling any semblance of security and like stability, mm -hmm. you know? People don't understand. Like, you know, they see Zuby with like 300,000 followers and they're like, Oh, dude, that guy's so talented. He's like, he just, everything he touches turns to gold. But they don't understand that you, you spent time on MySpace. Oh, dude. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't understand that you did eight years of toil yeah. to make actual dollars. Yeah. Right. And, and, and they kind of see the highlight reel. They see all the, you know, you know, they see the, the gold stars and all this kind of stuff. And they don't, they don't understand that you actually have to go through a lot of toil yeah. and you, you should actually go through that toil because that really hardens you mm -hmm. or, or actually the success. And even when you, even when you get the success, you understand that it's not promised, nope. right? It could be taken away from you mm -hmm. anytime, right? And the lessons that we have to learn, like, if you don't learn that lesson, 
you're going to think that everything is like all lollipops and rainbows when the reality is, is that, hey, you got to be both. Actually, I was telling my one of my friends, this, uh, Cam Martinez, I was saying, you have to be optimistic and at the same time paranoid, mm. right? It's like you have to have a level of optimism where you're saying I, things are going to work out. But then you have to have a level of paranoia, which actually says, you know what? There's a chance things can't work out, too. Yep. Right. And you always have to have that balance. And a lot of a lot of people think it's just like, oh, let's be positive thinkers and like all this kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> if you're such a positive thinker, it's not going to work out for you in the end. You know, yeah. well, so. and thinking is only one one aspect. Right. You know, you got to. Yeah. You got to act, you know, people can meditate and take cold showers <laughs> and read as many books as they want. But if you yeah. don't do anything, then nothing happens. You know, if you don't take any action, then nothing happens in anything. Yeah. yeah. I know some people that just like visualize, you know, to the, till the cows come home and they meditate till the cows come home. But you ask them what their task list was. And that was their task list to read a yeah. book and meditate and visualize. There's no like action, like, the thing is, like, to be an entrepreneur means to actually throw yourself out there, you know, and, and to say that, hey, I'm willing to fall on my face yeah. and I'm willing to look like a fool and I'm OK with that. And, and I actually do think like entrepreneurship to a degree is 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 almost it's like finding yourself, man. You know, it's you know, you, you get a, you have all these like setbacks and you have all these things that that kind of just like challenge you in a way. And if you don't step up to that challenge, then that says a lot about you. If you do step up to that challenge, then that's another thing that you can notch on your belt. That's another thing where you can say, Hey, I've been through this before. Mm -hmm. I can get through this again. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Twitter. Cause I mean, the first time we spoke, which was, I don't know, maybe about eight months ago or so. I mean, you were <laughs> relatively new to Twitter. Yeah. I remember, I think you had about 4,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Last time I checked, I think you're at about 62, 63,000 now. Mm -hmm. So you, you've grown very, very significantly on there. And I imagine a lot of people watching this will now know you through your very wise tweets <laughs> and your very consistent <laughs> Twitter feed. So what, what uh, made you want to, what made you even jump onto Twitter? Uh, okay. So number one is, uh, okay. Number one, I've always been the lurker on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so I've been, I've been following you. I've been following Ed Lattimore. I've been following Naval, and you three are a big reason why I was attracted to Twitter in the first place. And wanted. Cool. yeah, man. And, and the reason being is because I see the way that you guys are just super authentic and the fact that you don't really let success really divert your message. Mm. That is something to me where I value. I mean, like, I have been a fake guy and almost like, you know, kind of kowtowing and being a different person for everybody. But authenticity as I've gone older, authenticity has just meant more to me. Mm. And Twitter to me is, is almost like the, the epitome of authenticity because everyone sees your thoughts. Yes. And, if you, and the thing about the one thing I learned about you or the one thing that you taught me actually was it always sticks out to me. It's like shooting from the hip, right? Mm -hmm shooting from the hip every single time you're not even scheduling your post you're shooting from the hip <laughs> right yeah and and that stuck with me because it is literally twitter is a reactive platform mm -hmm. so when you shoot from the hip people are getting the most rawest version of you right it's not edited you can't edit you can't do anything 
And that is one of the reasons that I was so attracted to Twitter. And also everyone looks at Twitter as like, as this toxic place, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God, the toxicity on Twitter, it's horrible. (laughs) Like, you know, and, and my whole thing about that is, is that, you know, my belief is that you create the world that you live in. So if you have a toxic world then you're going to create a toxic world, if you actually have, for me, I, I do spread a lot of positive message and a lot of positivity and, I do feel like there is like a, a time and place for that right now, you know, especially with everything that's going on. So I actually went into Twitter and I was like, you know what, there's a lot of negativity going on in this world. I would like to come in and I would like to be somewhat of a, of a light for these guys, for the people who don't want to be bogged down by negativity. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the other reasons why I went into Twitter was because I actually find it's like the most untapped platform ever. And it is so, it is, it is the biggest test, right? Because to get a like on Twitter is so much harder to, than it is to get a like on Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> it's true. That's right? True. Yeah, yeah. So if you're, if you're a small account and you put something out there, no one likes it. Guess what? Hey, that's par for the course. Yeah. Right. And, but if you do actually put out good stuff out there, guess what? People are going to notice it. People are going to share it. People are actually going to dig it. Mm-hmm. So, so I look at Twitter as kind of like an untapped, one of the most untapped social media channels. Everyone looks at it as like a toxic place when the reality is I actually see it as like one of the social media channels that's in its infancy right now. Mm-hmm. People have not. And, and here's the other thing about Twitter. Again, it is the only place I know of that can actually start a war, right? You, you yeah. can't start a war. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can't, you can't start a war on Instagram. You can't yeah. start a war on Facebook. But if you put something out on Twitter, yeah. I think I told you this one time. You retweeted me one time. And I, I told you, I was like, you have the keys to the nuclear codes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the power of a Zuby retweet yeah. the very first time I experienced it. And then I remember I messaged you back. And I was just like, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. So, so I, I again, I, I see Twitter as again, it's just one of those places where a lot of people have a a certain uh, perspective uh, mm-hmm. perception about it. But the way I perceive it is, is untapped. It's and then once you get an audience there, oh my God, you, you yep. can do so many amazing things with it. Yeah, it's it's such a powerful platform, and it's so funny. In in some ways, I'm kind of glad most people don't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Same. But then, but then in, an, in another way, I'm also kind of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a selfish person. I'm kind of like, yo guys, like you, you're not using this platform to its capabilities. You you don't understand. Like I, I can very honestly say Twitter changed my life. Yes. Like Same. literally like the, the people I've met both in terms of fans and customers and connections and podcast guests and me guesting on other people's podcasts, like, you know, from, you know, Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, like all these shows, like Fox News, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do those things without Twitter. Even the fact that, you know, I'm connecting with people all over the world, USA, Canada, Europe, Africa, Asia, all over. I've got all these people who are like, oh yeah, I know you through Twitter. And then mm-hmm. cool. Then they discover the podcast and they discover the music and they discover the fitness stuff. And it's just like, man, this is incredible. When I was in the States um, in 2019, I went to 10 different cities and I just did. I was just doing meetups with my followers. And it was amazing when I was in like uh, Nashville and New York and D.C., like all those cities, like had like 20 something people 
like literally is in like on the day i'm like yo dm me if you guys want to go out for dinner tonight and you're in nashville and i just get like a flood of messages and next thing i know i'm just there like we had to get we had to get additional tables at the restaurant and it's just like wow like i don't i'm not even american like i've never been in nashville in my life and now i'm here with like 25 people who are you know truly diverse and the only thing in common is like you all follow me (laughs) you all follow me on i was just like wow this is this is magical like this is crazy so okay so number one you and i are talking on this uh podcast together and i would not be able to have access to you if it weren't for twitter Mm -hmm. right uh ed Lattimore, same thing uh let's just say naval um yeah he, he actually tweeted out, you know, hey, you want to learn fasting stuff, go to these guys and, and Dan. Nice. And then I was just like, what? Nice. And, <laughs> and the thing is, I look at Twitter less as a social media platform and more as a networking platform. Yes. Right. Yes. There is no way that you can actually get access to Zuby, Naval, uh, even like guys like the, the founder of TechCrunch. Like, there oh, is Michael no, Arrington. Yeah. yeah, Michael Arrington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is no way that you have access to these guys on any other platform other than Twitter. No. Yeah. Dude, dude, like, okay. Maybe maybe, I don't think people even know this story. I mean, I was talking about my trip to the States when I was in a, so after Nashville, I was going to Washington DC. I literally tweeted on a month on a Monday. I tweeted, I'm going to be in Washington DC tomorrow. Can anyone get me into the white house? On Thursday, I I received no. On Wednesday, I received two invitations, two separate invitations to the White House and another invitation to the Pentagon. Wow! <laughs> from oh, me, Lord. from me posting on Twitter. Hey, can anyone get me into the? I, there are people in the White House following me on Twitter. <laughs> I had no idea. Right? I'm just like, what? This is this is crazy. Like, what am I doing? Why am I in the Pentagon? Why why am I in why am I in Mike Pence's office? Like, what is? what is going on and i'm just like this is nuts like i'm an independent rapper from england yeah like, what is and, this? and i remember there was actually one time i remember i think it was uh it was the donald who actually like retweeted you or like yeah. said something <laughs> right yeah. and i'm just like what is going on? <laughs> it's wild yeah i think that put me on a list but um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, but but really anyone listening to this, Twitter and social media in general, like everyone knows these platforms and I think everyone knows that they're sort of powerful, but I would honestly encourage anyone listening to this to really use them for your benefit because they can be so destructive. <laughs> they can be incredibly destructive if you just kind of follow bad people and you're just getting involved yeah. in all the toxicity, just wasting time and getting angry and getting outraged and all that. And, you know, you can do that to a little degree if you want. But yeah. if you spend the majority of your time actually following positive people, putting out positive content, connecting with people, both online and, you know, converting that into real world where possible, then it'll just open up a whole magic door of opportunities for you. Yeah, that's the thing with social media, man. You know, a lot of people are in the consumption phase and they're just looking at, you know, cat videos or they're looking at politicians and just getting really mad at stuff when the reality is, is that, Social media is the tool and mm-hmm. the tool, the thing is, is like, you can let that, I don't know, like, do you want the hammer to use you or do you want the, do you want to use a hammer? Right. Yeah. I'm not going to look at pictures of hammers and just like start getting mad at them and stuff. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Hey, if you're going to be on social media, be on there for a reason. And the reason shouldn't be to be emotional. You no know? doubt. 
100%. Yeah, man. So tell us a little bit more about the about the work you're doing now. So I, yeah. I see you posting your results. You're working with, with various clients, lots of different yeah. entrepreneurs, helping them yeah. to lose weight, build muscle, all that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, man. Uh, super excited about the work that I do because uh, literally the guys that I work with are some of them. I mean, like they become my friends, but these guys, I mean, like I've kind of set up my community to be uh, to have friends uh, pretty much like as primarily entrepreneurs or creatives. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and literally I'm like helping my friends get in shape. Yes. And the thing with entrepreneurs is the reason why I work with them is because one, I can be very straight up with them. They take complete ownership over the results. They let me know when they're screwing up. They let me know when I'm screwing up. If I ever do, the thing is, is that entrepreneurs actually have so many people trying to kiss their butt the entire time. Yeah. You know, Zuby, you're the best. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, they have so many yes men. And then here, and then this allows me to come in and basically say, hey, you're, you're kind of being, you're kind of going to your fat boy phase right now. It's yeah. time to kind of like, you know, <laughs> sign to kind of like eat like an adult to a certain extent. And, you know, and, and the reason, and actually the reason I work with entrepreneurs as well is because, dude, they're the ones that are changing the world, right? And the creatives are the ones that are changing the world. And I look at it like this, if I can actually change one entrepreneur's life, so I'm working with, um, so actually one of the entrepreneurs I'm working with, he won't let me uh, post his before and after, just due to privacy concerns, but he's a New York Times bestseller, very, very well known. And the thing is, is that when we worked with him, we changed his body, he's got a bunch of muscle, he's feeling better about himself than ever before. That parlays into the hundreds of thousands of followers and mm-hmm. people that read his stuff. Yep. So if I can make his life better, then essentially what I'm doing is I'm making their I'm making everyone else that follows and like their lives better because he's coming out with better content. He's fresher. He's feeling better about himself. Yeah. So I would say this, like my whole thing was like, I have this goal of <clears throat> saying that I had, I was able to change the lives of 10 million people in this world by the time I'm all said and done. Or part of the reason of how I'm going to do that is by saying, if I change one entrepreneur's life, changing a hundred thousand lives at, at like just with one person. For me, I feel like the most impact I can make is with these entrepreneurs. And I'm kind of just bringing two and two together. It's just, I love entrepreneurship and I love fitness. So let's make these entrepreneurs as fit as humanly possible. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100% on that. It's so funny. We, we have the same, uh, we literally have the same goal there, man. Have a positive impact on 10 million plus people. And yeah. that's true. You know, I think whether it's positive or it's negative energy or content that you put out there, it ripples outwards, mm-hmm. you know, by you getting better, by me getting better, by us helping other people to get better, it, it ripples outwards, right? So by us recording this podcast, there's someone who's going to listen to this, hopefully thousands of people who are going to listen to this and take take away something from it, and they're going to use that to better themselves. And when yeah. they do that, they'll better the relationships of people around them, their friends, their family, anybody that they're working with. And then yeah. it just it just ripples outwards. And similar, you know, on the flip side, same with negative energy, right? You know, if, mm-hmm. if I were to, you know, I've got, I had 340,000 followers after nonsense last week. I now have 318 for now. It, it'll build back oh, wow. up. I lost 21, I lost 21,000 last week, man. Lost 21,000. Wow. Um, <laughs> we won't go into that too much, but, yeah. um, you know, if that's a lot of people, a third of them, say a third of a million people, right? If mm-hmm. I were to just go on there and every day just be like, just 
attacking people and just spreading negativity or whatever, then again, that also ripples it also ripples outwards. And as you as you grow, and that's been one of the weirdest things for me over the past two years is just like realizing my own influence. Mm. Especially because my tweets often go viral off Twitter. They go viral on Instagram and on Facebook and on Reddit and whatever. Like they just pop up all over. I can't always have people sending me like, yo, Zuby, like your thing got posted here, your thing got put and I'm just like, This is this is nuts, you know? And when when you sort of realize that, it's exciting, but it is also scary. Number one, because Obviously, people take things out of context, mm-hmm. but also just because you realize both on the pro and the con, you you just realize that influence. And it's it's a frightening thing because you're just – I'm just me. I'm just one person. Some people may look at me in a certain way or whatever, but I'm just Zuby like I've always been. And there's no real guidebook on how to use these powers, right? As your account yeah. grows to 100,000, eventually mm-hmm. 150,000, 200 – like there's no clear guidebook of like, okay – you know, this is what you do when you have 5,000 followers. This is what you do when you have 200,000. It's not until you get uh-huh. there. And, and then, and also like dealing, dealing with the negativity as well. Cause no matter how positive you are, I'm sure you're, you're already, you'll already be getting it right. There mm-hmm. are some people who are just so angry and hostile and aggressive that you could put out the most positive, uplifting message and they start gunning for you. And yeah. it's just like, man, how do I, how do I handle this? Do I, do I clap back? Do I ignore? <laughs> do I block? Do I mute? Do I like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's no clear guide and, you know, you kind of have to come up with your own battle strategy. Yeah. And, and I, I said this before, it's like, you do have the keys to the nuclear codes and sometimes you have to make those, you have to, you have to make those decisions. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if someone is giving you that negative energy and you clap back at them, you understand the the clout that you have, Right. And you understand yeah. the response that's going to happen. Yeah. So that is not a that is not something that you take lightly. I know that for a fact. I know that you actually take your tweets like very seriously. Yeah, dude. And and the I thing is, is that delete yeah. their whole accounts. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've I've responded to people and it's ended up with them deleting their whole accounts. And I was like, whoa, okay, I did I I did I didn't I didn't intend for that to be the result, but yeah, you know, they fired there first. Are, they're anon accounts anyways. Yeah. Me, so. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, it's the Twitter and just social media in general. It's a, it's a responsibility. Hmm. It's a responsibility. And then we have, uh, let's just say like power, right. To be able to say something and to be able to implant ideas into people's brains and to actually, you know, make them feel certain things. Hmm. So we have to be, it's almost like, you have to be a good person <laughs> in order to in order to have these powers available to you. Because if you're not a good person and you want to use them for selfish means or whatever that is, mm-hmm. and then you know, uh, I I don't I don't know I can't really like comment on that. But what I will say is is that we all putting out energies out there. We ought to be very cognizant of the energies that we put out there, and that as your accounts grow bigger, you know, you just have to make more decisions. And you have to make, uh, you have to actually sit back and you have to be like, hmm, do I really, really, <laughs> should I just like hide this reply, block them and just like leave it at yeah, that? Or yeah. should I actually like make an example out of this person? Um, yeah. And there is no right or wrong answer, to be honest, man. You know, I'm still trying to wade through the whole thing myself. I've, I'm only like eight months into this whole thing and I'm yeah. still trying to figure it out. And I'm glad I have guys like you to just ask questions to and to be like, you know, to, to, to kind of guide me in a way because you do have more experience, man. And 
you know, if I didn't have you guys, I would probably be pulling out my hair or going psychotic <laughs> at this point. Yeah. There is, you know, you, you go up to a certain level, there's just some weirdness that goes on, man. It gets worse. Don't worry. You got, you got a lot to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Got a lot to Appreciate look forward it. to, man. So <laughs> to switch the subjects, man, I know you, uh, you became a dad not so yes. long ago. So, um, what have you learned? How is, firstly, how is fatherhood going? And, um, what have you, what have you learned? How's it changed you? Uh, okay. So fatherhood is one of those things that, uh, is one of those milestones in your life, uh, that, that you can't really quantify whatsoever. It changes you and how it changes you is almost unfathomable. I can't even, it's almost like hard to put words around it. Right. You can be like, oh, I love my daughter and she's my world and all these cliches. It's like so much deeper than that, mm. you know, and and for me, you know, being the supporter and being the uh, being the, you know, let's just say breadwinner, so to yeah. speak. Now I'm actually finding like what the balances are between like, you know, how much work I should do and how much time I should actually be spending with my daughter and then making sure that time I spend with her is going to be fully in presence, making sure that I'm not like you know, on my phone trying to like, you know, figure things out or tweet to other people. I'd say like, you know, for, for real, like being a father has actually changed me. It's actually got me more, um, it's actually got me more baked into my purpose. I actually feel like the impact I want to make on this world. I don't really have a lot of time. There's something about having a kid that, that makes you think about death a little bit more. Mm. Right. It's like, right. When you have a kid, you're like, Oh, you know, you want to be here for her as long as humanly possible but you understand that hey this is actually time's not promised anymore yeah, yeah maybe time wasn't promised before but now you realize time is really not promised because you have another person relying on you and i would say my biggest lesson with uh, with my daughter has got to be just it's kind of like my old lesson is just try to be as excellent of a dad as i humanly possibly can and do all the things that I can possibly do for that. Mm. And if I'm not going to be perfect, but one of the things I say is just, just show up, do the time, yeah. you know? And, and when you are doing the time, just be as present as humanly possible. And then when you're as present, it's tiring as yeah. heck, right? Yeah. It's tiring <laughs> to be with a baby. Yeah, yeah. It is very tiring to not get any sleep, but at the same time, when you're actually spending that time and being present with them, that changes you. It changes just like how you think about this world. You're actually seeing the world through a complete set of innocent eyes. Mm -hmm. And the way it's, and then the way my daughter sees the world, she's just like, she's as happy. And then, you know, when she wants something, she'll let you know, like it, it is it's such a trip, you know? And yeah, I, I don't know what the lessons are, man. I'm only eight months into this thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm like not, eight and a half months. So yeah, it's a lifetime wish, job. It is. And I wish I could come up with more, like more lessons and something profound, but I'm still waiting my way. I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still a rookie at this kind of stuff. Of you want to have, you want to have like eight kids from what, from what you told me. <laughs> at, at least, at least five. I, I want to do okay. real, real talk. I want to have yeah. as many as I can as many as I can afford and my future yeah. wife is willing to. That is amazing. That's, prob that's probably the best way to, to put it. I think at you least know, five would be good. I, 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 you know what? I look at that and I admire that. So much, man. 
because because that's like creating a basketball team you know that's like <laughs> it, it, but, but 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 in reality it's like you know what when you have this family unit and everyone's like chilling together mm-hmm. that that means more than like any friends you're ever gonna have you know i mean you you really just get baked into being a family man and that is one of the most coolest things in the world yeah you know i think um also i mean i'm from a big you know there's i'm one of five i'm one of five kids yeah. so I mean, it's wild when I think of it. You know, by the time my mom was my age, she had five kids. Oh wow! Right, and I, I like, I've always respected my parents. I've always respected my mother and my father. But now that I am at the age I'm at, and I think of it that way, I'm like, whoa, that is like, wow, like extra respect. Because you know, when you know when you're a kid, you hear, you know, even when you're a child, even when you hear like 20 years old. You think that you think twenty year olds are so knowledgeable, and they know they know right. It's true though, right? When you're eight years old and someone says twenty, it's like whoa, that's an adult, you know. Let alone thirty. When someone says thirty, you're like, oh come on, by thirty, like by thirty, you know everything, right? By thirty, you know. Let alone forty by, and now it's like, oh wow, okay, maybe not. Like you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. they had to, they had to work things out too. Like mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't have a blueprint. Dude, much respect to your parents and my parents because they did it without the internet. For real. You know, oh my God, they did it without all the luxuries <laughs> that we're that we're currently experiencing. Yeah, my parents had to look at a map to get from one place <laughs> to another. You know, I'm like, how did you do it? You know, yeah. four kids. We, I come from a family of four kids. Okay, and I was I was the youngest one, and and I don't even know how they how they dealt, but they did, <laughs> and here we are. We're all alive, and we're all we're all doing good. Yeah. Still going, man. Yeah, yeah it's man. crazy. I had um. There's a guy, uh, Alex Peabody, who I had on my podcast a couple of months back, who had uh, 16, 16 kids. Oh my gosh, sixteen kids. I think he's he's your age as well. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he and his wife. He and his wife had sixteen. That was uh yeah. If you haven't listened to that podcast, that that's a good one to listen to because I, I, it actually came because on Twitter I was talking about the prospect of me having like a whole bunch of kids. And then it almost started like a competition amongst my followers of, of who had. So lots of my followers have like five, six, seven, even wow. eight, nine children. Right. Um, and, you know, people started posting like all these beautiful pictures of their families and stuff like that. It started this huge thread. And then one and then this guy just steps in and he's like 16. I was like. I was like, game. <laughs> I was like, game, game over, game over, yeah. guys, game over. And then people just started asking all these questions, and I was like, you know, I DM'd him, and I was like, yo, yeah. let's do a podcast. Like, I, I have, I have so many questions. I need to know how you did, how you, how you've done this, and only one set of twins as well. I remember that. I actually yeah. remember that post <laughs> okay. that you did. And then Jeff, I remember Jeff Putnam. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Nine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then and that guy comes in. He's like, <laughs> "That's so like, wild." Whoa, yeah, geez. yeah, yeah. I could, yeah, I could probably take some parents. I, you know what? He's the guy to talk to when it comes to parenting lessons. Yeah, I am. I am just a. I'm. I'm a pleb when it comes to parenting <laughs> at this point compared to that guy. Yeah. yeah. For for everyone who's not having kids or who's like you know insisting on only having one i'm like okay well he, he people like that are sort of making up for it and balancing it back out there you go there you go so dan what have you got uh what have you got coming up in 2021 man it's a mm-hmm. it's a new year what um what's on the horizon uh the horizon is uh twitter uh okay. for me it's like keep on growing that twitter account and keep on putting out good stuff and 
keep on trying to just be as authentic as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the second thing is, uh, you know, we're, you know, we have a really good coaching business going on. We have a really amazing coaching system. So we are trying to bring this a little bit more to the masses. We are looking to actually like, you know, just expand and actually get more clients in that sense mm-hmm. uh, and actually turn the business into a business essentially. Like before I was kind of moonlight, I wasn't moonlighting, but I was doing everything myself. And we just made some hires and we really want to kind of take the system and just bring it to as many lives as possible within 2021. And then uh, I was going to say we're going to come out with courses and all that kind of stuff. That's that's a little bit later in 2021. But in general, I'm just going to try to learn to be as good of a dad to my daughter as possible and try to be as good of a husband to my wife as humanly possible and and try to get you out of the UK. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> try, try to get right. you, remove you from the UK, bring you over here, Costa Rica. All right. Give you, let's get some surfing going on. Let's, let's do this kind of stuff and let's get some sun on your body. That's, that's probably 2021 right there. No doubt, man. Yeah. Awesome. Dan, um, where can, for everyone listening, where can they find you online? Yes, sir. Uh, you can find me online at uh, Fit Founder. That is F I T F O U N D E R. That's on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dan Curtis Go, uh, or you can go to my website. That's at www.highperformancefounder.com, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, cool. Dan, it's been a pleasure yes. having you on the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. We yeah. will talk soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity again. Bro, you are a mentor to me and I would not be exact. I would not be where I am if it wasn't for you. So I I thank you for that. Thank you so much, man. No doubt, bro. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.